0: So uh, this is the second talk on exploring meditation as a gateway to transcendent awareness. So talk one, talk two, this is talk two. Um, A little bit of the passion I was uh, exuding uh, in the morning, my morning, uh, continues in me. Uh, And I want to, I don't want you to be wary of it or or uh or s- skeptical or or um, or distance yourself from it it's uh, i think it's the one energy that uh is uniformly present when when um when the prox when we're close to the truth we get passionate about the truth some people express it as uh You know, like a a a dying person's, you know, gasping for breath. You know, like you know, a drowning person gasping for breath, or something like that. I don't. That to me is um, an exaggeration. But there is this sense of love. It's really a love for the truth. It's just, um, it's so close. And it's so transforming and it's so benign, not just benign, but it it gives us everything. Uh, and we're so reluctant. Most of us are. build up endless stories about what will happen to us. You know, we'll be empty, we'll be in isolation, we'll be uh, separated, we'll be, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to give you more stories than you're already having, but none of that's true. None of it. None of it. You see? It's, it's, uh, it's everything. When you sit in the middle of everything, what are your needs? So I, So there is a passion that comes forth in encouraging others who um, are in proximity to give themselves over to it, that it's safe, that it's safe. Now, I don't want to distance what I'm saying today from the basics of what we have learned. In fact, uh, what I'm trying to do is show us that the basics of the meditation that we have learned provide a pathway and avenue for the deepest and richest expressions of Dharma. And I want to bring in, I want to talk about how the meditation practice, if understood or encouraged forth, moves beyond the uh, uh, the uh, uh, mechanical techniques that we learned early on. Uh, you have to take it You have to take the meditation in hand and ask questions about it it's it's not a an isolated thing it's not a rigid thing it's not meditation isn't something that okay this is what i've got to do when i sit down it's an open invitation to inquire it's a space provided because we're not being usually in meditation we're not being Bombarded by other stimulation or other noises or you know, we're we're in relatively isolation, which is a beautiful internal world to to uh, Open the doors about this thing, but we have to know what questions to ask we have to know Let me rephrase that we have to ask our own questions not be guided by What the teacher thinks you should ask but what intrinsically is? um, drawing you forth and you can't be um, uh, shy about uh, opening this up to an inquiry that uh, is uh, all revealing, because it is. So, uh, you know, sometimes uh, I remember Nuria and I were teaching at IMS in person uh, a few years ago, and we just noticed in the middle of the retreat, we, t- we taught a week long, I think, and about the middle of the retreat, these are senior practitioners and we've always taught uh experienced practitioners they were there was just no collected they are just wandering in you could tell that their minds were lost in whatever they were thinking as they came in and we said wait a minute wait, we've forgotten something here we you know and then uh in interviews some of the practitioners says why well, don't i don't practice the basics anymore And uh, I thought, my God, we forgot to tie our early training in mindfulness to greater awareness. This thing moves effortlessly from the mindfulness of our early training into the great depth of awareness itself. There's a direct line through mindfulness to formless awareness and freedom. And if we don't move along that line, then uh we we're stuck we get stuck within the conceptual way we've always practiced and what the teacher has told us and he or she must know better than me i mean they've been practicing longer don't ever assume that by the way you follow your own heart don't feel constrained by what the teacher might say you open the door up and go forth so the path forward is to simply release the self that's tied to mindfulness and then awareness unfolds you see so we start with mindfulness as the witness uh, accompanying mindfulness is the witness most of us <clears throat> and that's the self accompanying ourself into the selfless which is mindfulness <clears throat> And we have to create, there's extra baggage on this. You know, I'm carrying a lot of weight that I, I don't need, that I can release. And so we start looking for ways to relinquish the additional burden of myself with the mindfulness. Now, that's, there's a real hesitation point there because most of us want to do that in mechanical ways. And we want to do it through uh, changing ourselves sufficiently, so that we have that we're less of a load that we're the, uh, on ourselves. And the intention for that, the self-thinning intention for that, actually has a um, an effect. <clears throat> we do lighten our load as we become less reactive, as we become less dogmatic less ideological, listen to these words because we have to face them, when we become uh, more heartfelt, which is a natural energy that transforms us away from the self-centeredness of my life, that the self-consciousness is always self-centered, uh, it's, it starts expanding out just through the thinning process, just through the softening and thinning of self. Now we can get well down the road of this self-thinning process, but still we're lugging ourselves behind. We can thin it down, but the self only requires a single word to reform itself. It reforms itself when we have uh, when we use our mind to objectify we're back in place boom and so we we may not feel what we're doing as self-thinning or self-softening self-softening is a little easier you can feel yourself getting soft or more sensitive more accommodating less reactive you can feel that that's what i mean by softening but the thinning is also happening that is we're getting very thin (laughs) the sense of self doesn't have uh, a large narrative that's accompanying it at wherever it goes. And it doesn't have a lot of reactivity within all of that narrative anymore. Uh, And that's the the thinning I'm talking about. But again, it may not feel as if the self is thinning. And we may be as uh, ignorant of selflessness um, as we ever have been, it just doesn't make any sense to us. It's a little bit like like holding up something, a pin, and trying to see the pin, not from the meaning the mind gave it, but as an object of perception, just as what it is. Trying to look at oneself without covering it with the recognition of what we've always known it to be is very difficult to do. But scientists tell us that perception and recognition are the same neurological pathway. And so, of course, when we look or perceive something, we perceive, we recognize what we perceive simultaneously with the perception of that object. So pin. So we look at it and say, there's no way I can just see that thing free of pinness. It's a pin. And that's the way we look at ourselves. It's a (laughs) pin. It's me i don't try to ask me to look at what i am free of the sense of me being it me is what i know i'm am when this feeling when these thoughts when these emotions are in proximity there's me i'm more like an overtone you know uh, if you play a uh, a certain type of uh, uh, music together There can be the music that's being played and then the overtone of the sounds that arise independently, separate from the music that's actually being played. That's what I am when I see the world of form. I'm the overtone. I'm the me that sees it. And so you go, oh, wow. Uh, You begin to get a sense of how this thing shapes itself. And that if we want our mindfulness to be free of self so that mindfulness can evolve into awareness, because mindfulness itself, when it has me accompanying it, always has a qualifier. It's not full range. It's not unambiguous. It's not uh, clear hearted. It's, it's it's not, um, it's always sh- um, shaded. It's it's deceptively different than what we we think we're seeing clearly, but there's somebody but it's going the scene is coming through the sense of self, even though the sense of self is trying to be very quiet and non-judgmental and all the other things we've been told in our instructions, still the presence of it itself is a filtration of that light of mindfulness, of awareness and so we're going to see in accordance to that filtration to that way uh, that it uh, screens the light so the path forward is to remove the excess from mindfulness Uh, and it's not about becoming a better me but releasing that which supports me and so we start we start seeing that you know the the quality of heart that narayan speaks about so well and uh, endearing i i just love the way she speaks about it. you know this this is the transcendent organ not here you're, never, you're not going to train as long as you're using this and seeing through this as long as you're seeing through this you're going to see the world as you know it to be the conventional reality but when you start allowing yourself this to be quieter and this to be to have more energy and uh, more of a, a more of a say in how we are receiving so that the perception starts shifting in terms of the heart then uh, the whole thing becomes a much easier course through it doesn't feel quite as abrasive as some of the techniques that we might have used against ourselves and so uh, but presupposing all of that uh, the preconditions for all that is is having a ground under us Uh, because it gets um the, the the sense of self can get very confused by the different things it perceives and accessing uh different perceptions at different times and uh knowing its way forward and feeling crazy in all of this and oh I'm going to insane all of that stuff because uh it's not used to the uh to since to to the field it's opening to it can start uh, feeling a little uh, disconcerted confused and so that the ground the ground and I don't just mean Uh, the physical ground in the body, which is a a very appropriate ground. But there's also a psychic ground called samadhi, because my definition of samadhi is not concentration, but steadiness of mind. Uh, A mind that is, um, that is, uh, that's not, um, that's steady, that's, You could say oneness of mind that mental harmony mental harmony Okay, so um So the basics uh, They're a gateway uh, to deeper and richer practices Now you can stay in this tradition and find that depth sometimes we want to go to a different tradition and hear a different voice and or practice under a different uh, set of influences instead of having a teacher who abides in humanness which is uh, their humanity which is what insight teachers are meant to do some are elevate themselves to uh, different heights and different traditions and that can be both a value and a limitation i leave that up to you but to hear a different vocabulary can be uh, can be fine or but penetra- but we're in this tradition why not penetrate our own tradition with inquiry and see if we can't move this thing to the depths that we yearn for in completion and so now we have a basic way to do that we take mindfulness which is an established uh an established technique within this tradition and we notice that we're the witness is extra to the mindfulness and so we're working on eliminating the extra noise that mindfulness doesn't need the noise uh, of our witness and so we're working to eliminate anything extra to the mindfulness and this is the path for from uh the original instructions towards the deepening that i'm mentioning so what does meditation what do and some of the stuff we've some of these points have been mentioned in uh in our different uh meeting times but i I just want to review them and look at them here the first thing meditation does to begin to separate itself from all the noise behind it is that it reveals the value of simple attention we started in with you know light simple and relaxed attention and the more simple and relaxed we are the less the sense of self is influencing now we this think we've been quiet okay i was quiet during that meditation no the willingness for consciousness to be simple releases the formation of self we are formed through the complex we are formed through the heavy burden of being ourselves we are formed through the tight anxieties of the moment not relaxed it's a we are an unrelaxed species by definition you have you can't be relaxed and be yourself and when you're not, when you are relaxed, you're not yourself. So don't say I am relaxed now because you're not. I am relaxed now. You're relaxing yourself away. That's what's really happening. Stop thinking of ourselves as something that the conditions are happening to, and start seeing ourselves as moderated, moder- moderated by the conditions. The sense of I is changing according to the conditions in which it is being held right so you if you go away you go away you'll notice that seeing doesn't go away if you go away seeing is enhanced by your going away and you think wow nothing's changed well i mean yes something has changed and that there's dead stillness when you go away but everything is being seen everything can still be known although That's not an active ingredient of stillness is the knowing of everything, but knowing can still occur. And so you you don't feel like you've given up a thing because if you want your life of weight and baggage and noise to occur, you can just wait a little while and some reaction in the family or in yourself will occur and there you'll be, and you will have arisen according to the noise and this is the way it is so we start seeing ourselves as um, as as we're contingent upon what is occurring as to what sense of ourselves we see we're not some perfect entity off having a quiet moment and now we're having a noisy moment and the same entity is and we've got all these different qualities in us that makes us you know a good person or a bad per- we're not that we change completely moment after moment according to the conditions that are arising within that moment and meditation reveals that if we organize our understanding in accordance to what's really happening it shows us that and it shows us that as i have mentioned simple it's simple because it it's just revealing all awareness ever does is reveal and it's it's not it's allowing you to be big strong thick whatever form you wish to take and actively engage to take there is no judgment associated with whatsoever whatsoever you know it's like a dog it'll greet you at the door (laughs) and want to and want to see see you that's it it's the it's your best friend (laughs) and it can be trusted because it's not there's no commentary associated with any commentary is the witnessing is the the active mind that's trying to rearrange circumstances to fit its expected needs and well, this isn't the right situation or I'm being too quiet or my meditation is off. And my God, there's so much noise today. And I've got this emotion. I don't know what is it. Is it impatience? Maybe it's impatience. I'm just, I have to practice more patience. That's where we usually go. What do we think happens when we bring in more and more complications and we become more and more complicated? The sense of self builds upon those interactions and that's the reason we have them. It's just so we'll know ourselves. Isn't that amazing? We want to know ourselves more above all else. We don't want to fade away. But we're an idea. <laughs> we have, it fades away on its own if we just leave it alone. That's what's so amazing. If you let anything that we allow to sit in awareness without adding anything to, has a very limited life. It's gone. And so we have to constantly reinvest in ourselves to have the life of me that we think we need. I need to be more excited. I need to be more energetic. I need this. God, I have to have more excitement in my life. I have to have more pleasure. This life is, feels so boring. Boring? <laughs> you see? and so meditation is just show, revealing this to us it's revealing the way we arise the way we tr- form ourselves again and again moment after moment and as i have mentioned there's an inquiry that goes with this which i i, I want i offer these inquiries as ways to investigate ourselves into the depth of meditation and this one as i've mentioned before since we are adding nothing to discover the truth the truth must be within what is already here because the awareness isn't adding anything and therefore it must be somewhere where the additions are not so let me remove the additions everything else i'm putting on it to get to the essence of what is really is what really is and objectification is one of those extras as soon as i objectify something there's a distance between me and what i see and i've made it into a form i can even make awareness into the into a form by saying to myself okay i want to be aware of awareness why would you want to be aware of awareness you're just making awareness which is the formless truth of an essence into an object so that i can see it that builds upon me i'm doing pretty well here i even i know where i'm going now i'm going towards this object however there will always be distance between that objectification and the object of your desire because an object by definition has a distance you see so this is crazy making this is crazy making. Know your way. I'm not objectifying reality. I'm moving to a quiet, to, to quietude. Quietude doesn't objectify, it becomes what quiet is, which is our essential nature, which is the essence of life. I don't like the word our essential nature because it still feels like you're around having the essential nature. So it's not ours, it's not ownership, it's essential nature, period. (laughs) Sorry to take that away. (laughs) You can bring it back if you want. (laughs) I'm just not gonna give it to you. (laughs) Okay. Another important but often overlooked point in meditation is meditation allows our psychic and physical location to be known. Now, stay with me on this because this is overlooked. When we sit down, we know our exact coordinates. X Axis, y-axis. I am here at the crossing of those two. There's no confusion here. And if you want a ground, establish that because you know your coordinates. You know exactly where you are. And you can always reassert that location now why is it important to know our exact locations why why is this important because mostly we're lost in space and time mostly we don't know our location you think when you're off imagining something or dreaming daydreaming or just fantasizing we're where are you? Where's your ground? Where's the ground? And we begin to see that the ground can't be lost. <laughs> Not really. It could, we can put a fantasy on top of the ground, but the ground's underneath it. The ground is being quiet and still. It's here, here is the ground and it's allowing whatever it is that we're thinking about or daydreaming to exist on top of it. And then we go with that superficial thought layer and seemingly we take ourselves away from the ground. And we enjoy that and it gives us some, what, relief or something. I don't know what it gives. It's been so long since I've done that kind of thing willfully. I just, but. If we just, here it is. We know our exact location. It's unequivocal. We don't have to excuse our location. We don't have to um, think we should be somewhere else that we're not. We are here, period. The moment doesn't lie and there's no alternative to it. So let the mind cease from conjuring up sometimes self-doubt. What am I doing here? Why, Why am I, I feel out of place. You're never out of place. Only the mind is projecting that summary, that statement. And then we begin to look at time because time and distance so I should be here and what am I going to be doing after I'm here what what's the next thing I'm going to be doing all of that has a compelling pushing forward expectation anticipation all of those keep us off balance and depth does not come from being off balance it comes from being upright (sighs) like the y-axis straight down so if you want to dance and play and and lose yourself in time and regret the past and expect a better future and all of that well you that's how the self grows the self grows through time it goes it grows best when it's not here when it's thinking about where it wants to be or where it It needs to be in order to be accomplished. So if you want to build the sense of self from nothing, fantasize. Then you begin to see how time and the loss of the physical coordinates of body mean I'm lost. And the self can fantasize. It has its own life within its fantasy fantasy world and it only lives in a fantasy world of what it wants and what it needs and the fears it has and what my life will become if i don't and what my life will become if i do and on and on and that's the fantasy that keeps it alive in order to keep it alive i have to fantasize and i can't be located here so what are the alternatives what are the remedy of that you see it's obvious isn't it i didn't have to have a i didn't have to journey to the himalayan mountains and see some it's here it's obvious it's right here the physical and psychic locations cross always the problem is our thinking it's always the thinking it's never the reality it's always the thinking by not moving with thought here becomes everything because it is everything we like to keep it between there and has been so between the past of what i known the world to be and the future that i expect here is, is isn't even met i don't even care about here here does tells me what it's my deficiency here shows me my deficiency of where i really want to be as opposed to where i have been so if you want to be deficient <laughs> practice thinking and of course the thought th- or the sense of self thrives on thought because it keeps it moving towards more accomplishment towards a a better sense of itself a better (laughs) it's all (laughs) it doesn't work (laughs) it it doesn't work being human means we're going to be less than perfect get it swallow that pill whole please and stop looking for perfection in yourself. Yeah what you're left with is what's na- what's the natural you. What's I'm not pretending to to be the austere all-knowing whatever it is. I that's not the my natural me. My natural me is what you're seeing. And you may not like what you're seeing. I can't well I'm sorry. This is what I've got to offer. <laughs> is it (laughs) oh and we so want to be all tied up and you know have a okay next question please (laughs) some people that's a perfect natural that's natural for them it's not natural for me it's not natural each of us have our own expression our own our own expression within this that's so that we're each uniquely together That uniqueness never goes away our personality doesn't go away it just doesn't it doesn't <laughs> yo okay so let, i'm gonna how am i doing here on time i'm always late but I must, i'm gonna i'm just gonna i want to go through some of these things so here we go then sitting <clears throat> still we learn what motion is and what motion is not this is huge and how much of our self-definition is derived from doing and going and moving. But what is the value of doing nothing? See, meditation teaches us the value of doing nothing. But how hard is it to, to connect with the value of doing nothing when you're busy doing something? You know how hard it is to get yourself to sit. Oh, I got of wash the dishes. God, if I sit, I won't wash the dishes. The washing the dishes is what's important. Not that, well. I can meditate, but in okay, <laughs> the that ambivalence continues for a long time in meditation. What is the value of doing nothing? And is there? You see, when you when the body is is there any motion? When you see the value of doing nothing, you explore what nothing is, and the only. There's only one thing that's moving, and that's the mind that's moving. The sixth Zen patriarch, We Nung, said, it's not the wind that moves the flag. It's not the flag that moves. It is the mind that moves. I... I took that as a con for years. I thought that was so, God, that was so other than the way I was, I ever thought. I want to know, I want to see that for myself. I want to know what he's talking about. And so you do it through not moving and seeing what moves. It's amazing. It's our mind that moves. It's only ever been our mind that moves because everything else is here and everything else is finished here. But if I bring the mind into here, then I've got a lot of stuff to do. But if I leave the mind outside, there's just stillness. Stillness is itself, is always itself. That's what makes it unconditioned. It's not influenced. Meditation says, sit down, be quiet, do nothing. What's the, what's left? You see, my whole life has been taken away. My whole sense of self-building has been taken away. And those simple instructions, which we receive day one, first time, sit down, do nothing. Sit down, do nothing. My w- mother told me I was I, I was a do nothing my whole life. What is there left? What is there left? And we meet that, see? We meet it with sort of a, a fear of loneliness. Well, I have nothing to offer, and I have nothing to say, and it's a kind of an existential crisis. That, well, that's just more movement of mind. That's the mind that's saying that. That's not what awareness is showing. That's not what the now is showing us now is showing us that we're absolutely whole and complete within itself and if we start moving with our fears then we're going to be at the whatever the mind is displaying in that moment you see you you want to ask yourself questions that force zero upon you because then you'll see what's on top of zero on on top of nothing on top of emptiness on top of stillness where do we place it that's what has to be removed stillness itself is intrinsically complete it needs nothing And so it takes us to our practice, which says, don't try to get rid of a thought or emotion. You're just going to be moving with it. Just hear them, see them, and let them be. So that keeps us still with things moving through the stillness. If things move through the stillness, let them move. That doesn't mean we have to move with them. When we take the thought and expand it out, we'll expand the thought. And guess what happens when we do? Our whole narrative of our life explodes. And then we begin conscious of the emotional distraught I'm under and what I've got to do. And all, and the whole thing becomes unpackaged. A single thought, in fact, a single word. When we recognize one thing, we recognize all things. That recognition keeps us in constant movement because no object, no object created by thought is sufficient in itself so it has us moving on to the other to the next thing that may be sufficient for me that may create a sense of sufficiency but nothing does but do- tell your thought that the thought doesn't go in that direction the sense of self feels what the emptiness of of the thought it feels what the thought is telling it to feel i'm this i'm that i'm without this i need that that's what that's what thought does and emotions do the same thing except they have more of an impact emotions somehow for some reason oh god we believe them even if we have seen them as things that are happening we believe that somehow we're encased in those things and have to have to work them out Well, uh, many of us spent years in therapy trying to work out our emotional life. And I'm not saying that seeing that we are not responsible for much of the emotional imprint that's been left on us, that has an effect on being able to release uh, our uh, self-dislike, our unworthiness, but it never settles out as their emotions will const, constantly complicate constantly you get tired of this stuff you just at some point you just have an inward revolution rebellion <clears throat> i'm done i'm done with this so we don't try to get rid of thoughts or emotions we just We don't mean anything. Just They don't mean any more than the bird song, Than the touch of the wind on our cheek. Allowing yourself to be extracted from the process. Instead of feeding the narrative of self feeding the thought of self feeding the emotion of self and the self thinks it needs a different emotion but it's arising within that emotion i need a different thinking process and we somehow keep ourselves so continuous that we actually look for remedies the remedies that have fed us to be where we are now are what we turn to better thinking better emotions <laughs> it's crazy making so we leave the mind alone this is the third foundation of mindfulness it's so it's so deep and rich and it's given in my opinion this is me it's not given the depth and fullness of it Leaving the mind alone changes the way we perceive. The third foundation says, don't think this way, don't think that. Release your need to think that, release your need to think that way. If this comes up, release that. It covers the entire spectrum of mind. Leaving us, leaving the mind completely alone. And When we don't, we obstruct awareness, our fundamental essence, the fundamental essence of life. So we never know it. We just go seeking mind, mind after mind, mind seeking mind, mind seeking greater advantages within mind, mind looking at mind from mind, missing everything. There's a different way. There's a different way. And so you can feel Narayan's and my passion. Her passion comes out differently, but it's still there. I feel it all the time in her. You feel the passion. First, you feel the sorrow of what you see. And people endlessly being controlled by mind. And that just just brings it out because the essence is always moving in accordance to the needs it sees to alleviate the pains of the world. You don't have to practice that. You don't have to take a bodhisattva vow. Sorry, you don't have to. It's there intrinsically in us. It is there. You do not have to doubt that. You don't have to, th- th- well, I'll just be a couch potato. You will not be a couch potato. It teaches us the value of now. And within that, time flows, moves past and future because now doesn't hold time. It's the only time that doesn't hold time. And that's why we don't give it any benefit. We don't give it any nurturance. We don't give it an investment because it doesn't hold time and therefore it doesn't hold me. <laughs> Can we discover what is not moving? So separation always needs time to confirm itself. It's a pullback consider- consideration. When you're thinking, you're pulled back from now, and objectified now. Well, guess what? Who? Guess what arises when you objectify anything? When you enter something as it, just don't make this conceptual. Come, come, come in. Come into yourself. I don't miss myself. <laughs> okay, y'all. Oh. <laughs> Let's sit for a few minutes here. Thank you very much for your attention. Why think about anything? What's the need to have to think right now? What's where's the need to have to think? What's it doing for you? And more importantly, what is it not doing for you to think? now if something resonated in you through that talk take an intentionality take establish an intention don't this is your intention not mine giving me not me giving you something your your intention where it's coming from you what's resonated in that talk where I can move forward with light, in my the spiritual direction that I'm I'm in charge of. Don't let anyone be in charge of your spiritual direction. But if there is a way forward that you could see, then take the intention. I'm going to do this. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to find out what now is. I'm going to find out what motion is. I'm going to find out what stillness is. I'm going to... Whatever. Doesn't matter. And... Now listen carefully, each one of you have the capability to uncover that just by your intention. No one is deficient spiritually. If their intention and their sincerity is there. Don't worry. Don't fret don't self doubt that just is that just that's just mosquitoes around your head like right now you see Don't objectify the stillness. Enter it. Okay dear ones, thank you for your presence and for your attention and for your open hearts.